Let us not be ashamed to speak what we shame not to think. Michel de Montaigne In a realm abound with fragility and fabrication, truth is forced underground. We must, as sentinels do, provide sanctuary to the marketplace of ideas. And so, let us prepare to proclaim boldly and contend forthrightly before the court. This is Candor and Counter. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Candor and Counter. I'm Sean. I'm David. And I'm Chris. And I just realized we didn't say our names in the last episode. You are correct. It <laughs> occurred to me just now as well. Now we just leave it. That's okay. Uh, so welcome wait. aboard everybody. Everybody looks you silly. Is this a boat? <laughs> you know, totally unrelated, but it made me think of it. Or train. Ah, good point. Why good point? All aboard. It didn't occur to me. I only thought boat. Welcome aboard are you, are you, the train. Oh, okay. I got you. Or the plane. <laughs> or <laughs> any vehicle. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, most people don't say that when they hop in the car. That's but. what I was going to say. If you, get, if you get in my car... <laughs> If you get in my car talking about hopping aboard, <laughs> you walk on the plane. <laughs> I can, I can. That was such a good pun. Appreciate it. Okay, so it took me that long to get that joke. <laughs> what? I thought it was just being funny because we talked Wait, about boats. Pun? Yeah. What do you mean pun? Aboard. Walk. Welcome aboard. A board. Oh, about plank. hopping aboard. Yeah, we didn't get the joke, David. <laughs> well, I, I was just making a little funny joke. I wasn't trying to be clever. I was with you, Sean. I I was just I was right there. I thought, and David is laughing at the joke, and I was like, it's not that funny. David's but on I mean, a different good, level of humor. Sean, I love you. It was good. Yeah, but I was like, why is he so tore up about the plank? <laughs> I thought you were just doing. <laughs> Well, I mean, the two terms are already used in conjunction when talking about right. ships. Yeah, that's so. why it didn't occur to me. Like, they're already related. <laughs> I thought you were... Never mind. <laughs> I did not see them. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Yeah, David's wiping away tears. <laughs> I thought for sure... You were making a pun. 100%. You didn't even consider... <laughs> no, I thought you were doing both. Oh, okay. Okay. He thought you were that witty. I thought you that, were that yeah. witty. I thought you yeah. were that witty. Just like... <sighs> Sean said, I wish. I wish <laughs> yeah. that I had done that. Like, sorry. <laughs> I like how that joke hit you twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause I, he's gonna start again. I thought you, uh, I thought you followed, and I realized I was the only one. Yeah, yeah. I was like, man, it must feel good. You're faster than us. Candor day. What? Oh, 
Oh my gosh. Yeah, this went off the rails you, at... You just like threw the car 180. <laughs> yeah. Gave me whiplash. This went this went off the rails at, at Welcome Aboard. I'm sorry. That totally... I just threw a wrench in the gear. Rude. Well, I missed the memo. Fake <laughs> <laughs> <Beep> time. <laughs> So it's time for a fresh one today. It is. Thank yeah. goodness. And we always relish getting through the counter episode. We don't, I mean, we don't not like the counter episode, but there's always something refreshing about opening that new one and finding something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause after the candor week, you spend that seven days after the candor episode doing research. So you kind of wear yourself out a little bit on the topic. You still want to talk yeah, about it's it. Like- Overexposure, though you get. Right. Well, I mean, what are you gonna do? You get a little bored. You're ready to think about something new. Oh yeah, yeah. So once you hit the the candor day, it's always exciting because it's always something different. We haven't hit anything that's. I mean, we've hit some things that are kind of close, but never. Yeah, like dead on. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we've seen the same topic submitted twice yet. No, no, we haven't actually. So it's time to open a new topic and. Um, See what we get. Is it? Did we decide already? Who? No. All right. I'm just gonna pull one out. I think you get to decide live. All right. Hmm. (laughs) I was gonna say we get to decide live on air, and you were like, "All right, I'm going in." (laughs) Well, I didn't know how long that conversation would last. I just I knew um, that we should get into uh, David read miracles, and so all right. The topic for today is objectivism. The Philosophy of Ayn Rand by Anonymous. So Ayn Rand. Yeah, we've came across that name before. Everybody knows. Altruism. Uh, altruism. altruism. Yeah, the altruism <laughs> episode. you struggling there. Thank you. It, it was sort of, I think that her philosophy of, well, I guess I should just say her philosophy was sort of antithetical to Altruism. Yes. It was a fullest potential or classical definition. Yeah. In the simplest term, like perceive over believe. Yeah. 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 It was very proof driven, evidence driven, ego driven as well. Right. It wasn't, there's not as much of a, yeah. Anytime you see selflessness, like worst case scenario type, almost belief in it. Yeah, anytime you see the name Ayn Rand, expect to find ego kind of mixed into whatever. Yeah, about the importance of self in the philosophy or the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why it came up in altruism. It was was that sort of opposite of selfless. Yeah. But, you know, proponents, you know, supporters of Ayn Rand view that as a a stasis like the way to go through the world is self-preservation and i think there's an element to that that makes sense in a way right just like an element of altruism makes sense Mm -hmm. and i think both of those views in my opinion have a problem of just going to the extreme yeah nothing nothing is ever so black and white that you can allow it to stay that way yeah or or be or excuse me, or expect humans to act in one such yeah. way or strictly in one such way. And we also like 
in strictness of proof, right? Like in the times that humans have existed, you can't say if we put someone in the situation or put the entire species in the situation where everyone is self-preserving, we would survive and thrive. Yeah, you don't have like a, a shining example of of a civilization being purely ego driven. Yeah. And I mean, it speaks to the power of the community and the collective in some way. Yeah, I agree. You know, a lot of our episodes have revolved around like the danger in identity and group politics. Right. But it doesn't mean that that collectivism in and of itself is evil or dangerous. Right. You can, you can never go full one side. Like if if you do, it's too dangerous. You, yeah, you risk losing. Yeah, too extreme much. tribalism. Yeah. yeah, right. But you you approach the other end of the spectrum, and it's like if you go to that extreme self interest, it that seems so isolating to me. I don't understand it at all. I mean, yeah. I know that Jordan Peterson, like we talked about, he has that perspective where. How did he phrase it? Is it that he looked at it like, the world is is looking at it like they're in competition. Is that how it was? I can't remember. Was but this it, from the altruism? <clears throat> no, this came up during. Look at us being able to recall. Man, these conversations blend together. They now do. That we're on. What? Episode 19 or something now. Oh Just crazy. Gosh, we are. Yeah. I don't think it was altruism. It was something else. After death. No, it had something to do with, we're, with the moral good of some kind, but. Are sure it was altruism? The true uh, moral truth? It may have been moral truth. I don't know. Regardless. Mm. I think just in the way that that collectivism matters, individual worth matters too. Mm. And that's the balance that you have to find in a society. Yeah. You, you can't, there, there is a point where you're like, okay, this, the group, the country, this is, you have to find a general good among them to like agree upon. And then also you have to move down a step and say like, okay, these people get to make their own decisions because individual worth matters and like. I don't know how to explain it because, I mean. I really am trying to recall that conversation with about Jordan Peterson because I'm pretty sure that the basis was that 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 self-interest and, and group interest are the same thing. Yeah, exactly. And, and that they're yeah, both they arguing apples and oranges because you're not. They're not in competition with each other. Right. Helping you, others is helping you. Because you're part of the group. Yeah. And you'll always be part of the group over time. It was altruism. I remember you specifically bringing this up during the altruism counter. I, I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it, it's true, right? I mean, like, okay. Yeah. When you help your self interest is part of, let's take a small group, for example, my family, like me, my children, my wife. That's the smallest outside of the individual, right? It's the smallest reductionary yeah, <laughs> yeah. group I can get to other than maybe 
my marriage, but it just still includes my children. So, I mean, so outside of the individual, that's the, the next group size. All of my individual decisions affect all of those relationships. Right. I think, I think Jordan Peterson said, uh, someone you live with and future you are the same person or something like that. Yes. You, you are not just you, you are you in the future and you and the group in the future. Right. And on and on and on. And we operate and make decisions like that in a subconscious way, I would assume. And, or in most cases, but operating under the life philosophy of, of individual outside of selflessness. I just don't understand it. I don't, I can't pretend to understand what that means because you leave all of, what does that mean? You leave all of the other, you don't do decisions, make decisions to hurt your social standing, your relationships. Right. You, can, you consider others when you make your decisions. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Show. That's part of yeah. making the decision of me as an individual. But I think her idea probably would be to be that, well, that's a self-serving decision because you're doing it to preserve your relationship, your relationship for with, you. Yeah. Mm. You're, desu- you're doing it to preserve your place in the social hierarchy you know, that kind of view. So, I mean, logically you can make the argument. You could, but I mean, maybe in my experience, it doesn't seem to be be the case. And I know you and I know that's not the case, right? Uh, It's hard for me to understand as well. And it's hard for me to understand on another level because I feel like I'm an empathetic person and it's hard for me to see or hard for me to understand someone being so wrapped up in themselves that they're doing it only for themselves. That doesn't make sense at all to me either. Well, just like trying to think of someone who does, who is altruistic to the core and does everything for other people doesn't seem natural or how you could imagine that being a human being. Yeah. Something, someone dropping, everything to you know help one one individual because they have less it seems inhuman right almost right but like that you pull extreme, over and you like yeah. give them your card give them the money in your wallet like give you know shoes off your feet kind of thing and like yeah you might see that once in a while but i mean they're not giving their whole life for right. that person right right but it was almost like when we talked about that extreme of altruism like that is altruistic but the true altruism that exists exists quote unquote it's never enacted in such a way but you know how when we were talking about altruism i think that we we and maybe it was just me really but like i i i kept looking at altruism as as the far extreme example oh yeah i mean i did the same thing. so when we do that with objectivism what does it look like when we get rid of that extremism and look at it in its moderate view in its everyday perspective, how does objectivism play out in a normal life, you know, or does it not play out at all? And the way that Jordan Peterson was saying is they're, they're one in the same is that why you don't see 
objectivism sort of making sense. Well, how how would we try to describe objectivism? Because we haven't really laid that out yet. Yeah, that's true. We didn't um, clearly talk that's about what objectivism literally is. Literally so what I'm doing right now. A good point. Nice. We'll pull up a yeah literal definition and yeah, it's a good idea. And read it out loud. I think we were going off by memory uh, in our encounters with uh, the altruism research, but I think um, clarifying that would help. Rand described objectivism as the concept of a man as a heroic being with his own happiness as the moral purpose of his life, with productive achievement as his noblest activity and reason as his only salute. Absolute. Okay, so keep that pulled up because we need to dissect this yeah. a little bit. So start reading it from the beginning again and, and sort of cut the first section and tell us what it says. The concept of man as a heroic being with his own happiness as a Okay, so purpose. we'll pause there. A man is a heroic being with his own happiness. As the moral purpose of his life. As the moral purpose. Heroic. I, I think it means archetypally yeah. heroic. Okay, yeah. As uh, like main character syndrome kind of thing. Yeah, okay. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. The sort of destiny, self-driven mm -hmm. destiny, I guess. But I don't know. Yeah, the, the term heroic, I don't understand that in there. Do you know what main character syndrome is? I mean. You can infer. Yeah. I can sort of understand what it where you means, kind of put yourself in that like I'm the most central role important being here. I don't think that that's necessarily what she would mean by heroic. I I think that it would mean like I mean in in your own story. Yeah. yeah. The most important to you. Right. But not necessarily that you believe you're central to the whole story. Right. I think that sounds pretty accurate. I think it's a, a, a personal heroism. Well, yeah, but so when you say I'm like, I am the main character in, in my story, you were talking about in your view of the world, mm -hmm. which is the whole story for you. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Which is an objective objectivist view. Yeah, that the world is a story, and you are the main character, yeah. of it. and it it plays into the ego. Yeah, yeah. the the level of self importance. Yeah. So I don't I don't really, I can't say I agree with that because I don't. I mean, sort of. We all feel like we, if if we don't feel like we have a purpose. As I mean, the the hero always has what they feel like is the strongest right. purpose, a goal. The main purpose, right? Yeah. The big purpose. But if you don't have any purpose, you can't be you can't be the anti hero. You know what I mean? Like Right. In the story. Yeah, the anti hero has a purpose. So I mean, there's a level of meaning that comes to me from having purpose. And purpose has added meaning to my life. I can only say that experient. Experientially. Thank you. <laughs> But I can only say that from my own perspective, but um, I'm not saying it's the only way to find meaning because I haven't tried every way to find meaning, but it has been, it has the largest payout for me. 
and so I do think that I'm not agreeing with her completely here in the egoist standpoint, mm-hmm. but I do think that uh, a philosophy based around finding purpose in the story is important. If yeah. that, if my, no, if yeah. my explanation makes any yeah. sense. Yeah. I follow, I follow not the, the purpose and meaning being the happiness yeah. that, that is. Yeah. Now derived. I disagree with that part, but I was just talking about the heroism part. Oh, okay. Okay. You, yeah, you just meant finding a purpose. I'm not talking about happiness. Yeah. I got you. Finding a purpose. Yes. Right. I believe being, the second part is wrong. I think. Yeah. Because I think happiness, which by in and of itself, I feel like I've said this before is a overused general term that, could mean anything you want it to mean. I'm afraid that if you, if you focus on happiness, which I've already mentioned is a tenable idea on its own. Like it's just, it's too, what does it mean? Yeah. 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 I, I think maybe it means self gratification. I don't know what that means in that context. Could you read the first part again? Maybe contentment. You're trying to get context. Yeah. for it. When I think of happiness, I think of contentment, like content. Right. I do too. And I, yeah, I agree. Cause happiness isn't, I mean, it's like, it's like fear or anger, right? It's not yeah. a constant thing that you can control. Really? Also, hate. The it's third, a feeling. The third line. Because it it uh deprecates the second line. What was the first one though again? Yeah, I'm I'm gonna read the first three lines because I feel like the second or the third has context with the second. The concept of man as a heroic being with his own happiness as the moral purpose of his life and with the productive achievement as his noblest activity. I promise you, productive achievement doesn't always make someone happy. Well, it says productive achievement as the noblest activity. Right? Right. But basically, if you're doing the second, you can't always get the third. Or if you're doing the third, you won't have the second sometimes. Because productive achievement isn't always what leads to your own happiness or your own contentment. or Right your own gratification or however you're looking at it. Sometimes they're at odds with each other. The idea of productive achievement. I I mean, I think that there is a, there is an amount of self-worth that comes from a productive achievement. Definitely. I agree. I mean, if you abandon being productive or achieving anything in life, if you, if you abandon being part of, um, the society or the system that, your sense of self-worth will plummet, you know, Mm -hmm. if you don't have some kind of basis there, but as the ultimate achievement, I think that's a bit strong for me because conscientious people, people who, who are innately focused on their own, their own effort into the world or into the group or whatever, they're intensely focused on it. And they know that like, it's those people, you see them, they don't stop moving. They don't stop. Yeah. Uh, they don't stop, um, um, working and they're constantly, yeah. uh, you'll see it in a lot of, a lot of dads. They find their worth in, 
and how much effort and productivity they can um, put into the relationship. Yeah. But there is amount, there is an amount of, of worth in that. But if you're not careful, you'll get lost in that because that isn't the ultimate goal. Yeah. And I mean, this has happened to me. I'm not like, cause yeah, when I reorganized my life and turned that chaos that we had and, and found a purpose for everything and, and lined everything up and then found out where I was supposed to be putting my energy and started focusing in there and taking it away from the places that weren't productive. My life improved drastically. So, but I also learned in that process that it isn't the only part of the process, you know? Now I think that the focus on self, as far as, I mean, I've had to focus on myself a lot in the past year or two, and I'm learning how to be aware, self-aware and productive in that manner, that manner. But there's a difference between doing that and being self-interested right in your decisions yeah, that you make yeah. there's a difference between self-aware and being egotistical i think so I, I think that you have to focus on yourself some but but when you're focusing on yourself so that you can play a part and be supportive of others and find your role there's a much more fulfilling that's spot. when it all yeah. comes together it's not just internally focused because i don't feel like that would go anywhere if that's all it was or maybe nowhere healthy i I guess yeah yeah the the idea the idea that like you do it for you and strictly you everything Mm -hmm. is broken like just at, at its base you you don't yeah, you don't. You, you it just doesn't don't. even seem like yeah. a human way of in, of thinking or interacting. I mean, you can see it even in media, right? Villains are never solely focused on them. There's right. always an idea they're going like that they are supporting or something other than themselves that they are interested in. You know, even to to not get caught to seem like a normal human being, psychopaths sociopaths yeah, yeah. they have to fake um emotion um, not being self-interested yeah. they mm-hmm. have to mask uh their egotistical impulses and that's because normal human behavior <laughs> indicates yeah. that that is a terrible way to operate in the universe <laughs> well, i mean that's that is an extreme though oh yeah yeah I meant to mention earlier that conscientious people suffer with the inability to separate themselves from their efforts. Their worth comes with their efforts. And the opposite of those people are the, the people that, that don't, they don't put forth the effort because they don't feel what the conscientious person feels. They don't feel the compulsion. I follow now. They don't feel the compulsion um, or shame that comes with not performing. Right. 
this just two, and they're just two, two different type of people. I'm not saying one's bad or, or one's good, but there are different dispositions of people. And we all know them. We all know people who they'll work till their heart explodes, mm-hmm. you know, trying. And I'm not even saying just to help other people. I'm just saying an effort towards, it may even be only their family or their wife or, or whatever. Opa. Yeah. Yeah. You have some people that will just, they'll continually, I'm not talking about just giving, but they'll put forth an effort. Yep. You know, I'm not just talking like monetarily or whatever, but they'll, they'll put forth an effort and will continue to put forth an effort and not even just relationally. Usually it actually has to do with manually working Mm -hmm. because they feel like physical effort into the relationship, into improving the relationship, building things or whatever. All of those things build up to give them like they're playing their part. They're doing their part. The people on the other side of the spectrum are trying to find meaning. And so are the people that are working hard. You see them, they're just two different paths. And I feel like the ego has some, not the ego maybe, but the focus on self has something to do with that, you know, and where they find their worth and meaning and happiness. And so when it comes to the heroism and and their journey, that plays a part, you know, if you view yourself as that, um, I, like I said, I think hero is an extreme word, but it's I, an I archetypal agree. word. I think it, it means just sort of in the storyline, mm-hmm. but I, when I hear the heroism and, in, in the, in the, uh, what was it? The happiness? How was it said? I keep forgetting this. Uh, happiness. As his moral purpose. In as the moral purpose. Yeah. That's that's what comes to mind when I think of of I think of that conscious yeah, anxious yeah. person, um, maybe not the egotistical person. You know, he's sort of the hero of the story. You ready to tie this all together? Reason is his only absolute. Yeah, that one caught my ear. I almost said I. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just out of habit. That one caught my ear when you first said it. Mm. Um, and I knew we would end up. This is where we're going to be spending most of our time, I think. Reason as is only absolute. I mean, I can't argue, I feel like. I mean, well, what do we mean by absolute? Truth? I think that's a fair... Yeah, yeah. I think both of those are fair words. Yeah, I don't really see how I disagree personally here. Unless you're believing blindly, right? Which, obviously, in objectivism, it's assumed you're not believing something blindly. I feel like there's ways to reason for a lot of things that someone might believe. Right? What do you mean? Like. Sorry, I guess I should say, would you mind expanding? Because I do understand a little bit. But I'd like to go a little bit further. Like, I think there's a lot of ways to use reasoning to explain any belief. Yeah. I mean, I would say that my belief doesn't totally depend on reason, but I don't abandon reason and I don't reason in some cases can support my case in ways to explain it. Reason isn't the problem with the last sentence. It's the only absolute. Yes. It's where my problem comes in. Yeah. Well, because absolute is yeah. an exclusionary word. That's true. Yes. 
And so it would push out beliefs like mine because absolute is, is an end all be all term. You can't have a personal absolute for every person and, and it be absolute. Does that make sense? Kind of. I'm not really following. Like, like each person's absolute would be different or, or wouldn't be different. Yeah. Which it, one? The the first one. Okay, yeah. Everyone's absolute would be different. Which is fine in the ego... If you follow the egotistical portion. I would think Ayn Rand would, would view reason as universal, though. I think that she would... This is a, a supposition. Right. I'm not sure. An assumption, maybe, I would say. Uh, yeah, I I'm, I'm, I'm understand where you're pulling that from. I'm just poking holes in the in the objectivism. Yeah. But you you can't say that. Nothing is you universally absolute in human experience, right? Yeah, I, I don't think experience is important to her in this situation. Like, in this philosophy... I think, but it, it it is almost exclusionary that. Well, I, I think that she reviews well, or views logic and reason as a universal scientific sort of standard. Yeah, I get you can't deviate from. I get that kind of feel too. Like, I don't think it discounts human experience. I think human experience is like all it accounts for. Only what humans can experience is what there is. But if two people can experience the same thing and have different views on it, then do you remember? Then uh, they won't. Then both of them aren't objective or you, objectivists. Or yeah, is that the word? Yeah. Well, they can both yes. be objectivists. They experience Not if the they same see thing. Different reasons, right? Yeah. I mean, they can have different opinions about. Yeah reasoning but the thing or is see different truths right but but essentially if they follow the the logic and reason even if they arrive at different conclusions it's not it can still be as long as they conform to that definition be objectivist you know what i mean especially if they're following their own self interested perspective I would guess. Well, say for for instance, there are two objectivists. They both experience the same thing, same instance. The difference is one of them is negatively affected, one of them is positively positively affected. Okay. So, reason as an absolute in that instance would be what. I see in my opinion reason isn't accounting for experiences it's not it's sort of like in our last episode with miracles and Hume's argument it that's the reason he discounted human experience and only left with like observational reproducible data as his standard and there are arguments against that but I'm just saying, I think that's this sort of lines up with that. It's this sort of, um, as an absolute, you couldn't allow experiential information to be part of reason. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. I I see where you're coming from. But I mean, I don't personally hold right human experience to be a zero right, right. worth item, you know, but I, I'm, I think in, in their perspective in this Ayn Rand's philosophy is that that's the whole purpose of this is to discount the subjectivity, hence objectivism, objectivity. But, but you're discounting subjectivity while focusing on the individual. Yes, but internally, you're not using that reasoning and putting it on other people. See what I'm saying? Like you're you're not, because they are self. You, in, they should be self interested. You you would be so the per, the person that's negatively affected, the person positively affected, person that's negatively affected, almost I guarantee, if they are object an objectivist, want to change the outcome. Okay, they change the outcome, then it swaps. Right. The other person becomes negatively affected. The other person becomes uh, positively affected. Okay. And then you have this vicious cycle. I I don't disagree with you, which is why I think objectivism is bunk. But (laughs) (laughs) I I think you have the correct. I mean, I I don't. That may be a pointing out a logical flaw in the in the perspective of 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 someone uh, ignoring the importance of the, of the individual experience. Well, do we want to bring him back? Uh, it's when we were saying, what would the middling objectivist be like? Like we were arguing. Good idea. Yeah. The flip side about the altruist. What would be the moderate view of an objectivist? I think and I'm just restating myself, but I think the nature of reality isn't so binary. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I think (laughs) we said this in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I think Ayn Rand finds man's ego to be too important. mm -hmm. And I think an ultimate altruist finds others to be too important. I think that those two things have come to work together in a symbiotic fashion. I don't know if that's the right word, but where there's enough that of altruism in the world that feeds the ego and enough to feed the community. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I mean again, they're still connected the self and oh, helping others. Yeah. So, but what I think when you look when you it all just falls apart when we sit here and we try to look at how everything would look at from the individual ego and then try to ignore the rest of the world. All of our arguments seem to, all of the arguments seem to fall apart and, and don't hold water. And when you do that on the, it, it just looks weird. It looks like a dream <laughs> right, world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the reason it does that is because it's not the nature of reality. Yeah. I mean, imagine everybody in their own home doing their own thing, strictly just leave me alone kind of mentality. Like, just closed off from the world. You find those people in the yes. woods, in their cabins, with no televisions. And I'm not talking the, saying those people are bad. I, I don't want you to misunderstand me. But what I'm saying is people that withdraw, recluses from society, 
that ultimately does not pay off mentally. As human beings, we are social beings. We are intended to be social beings. Yeah, we've talked about how important connection is. Yeah. I kind of hesitate to say this, but I still believe that the human experience would still allow that to be a successful endeavor for someone to be a recluse. Like, some people, I'm sure... Oh, I'm sure there's at least one person that finds worth in being... Seclusion. Yeah, separated. I think it... Yeah, and I think it also plays somewhat to previous experience. Like That's true, too. I mean, if you... If you find trauma in society, right? Yeah. You wouldn't want to yeah. re-engage. Mm-hmm. You know, if th- there are, you'll find a lot of a lot of criminals. And I'm not, again not painting recluses as criminals. I'm just saying the mentality of like. So when you come out uh, and you have a tough time reintegrating with society, when when a lot of the rules and standards of the hierarchy seem detrimental to you or you seem as an outsider and you're all, you can't seem to get into the hierarchy at some point, then the, you already the mental safety of the reclusivity is, is the safest place to go. That's true. You know, when, when you struggle with integrating, this happens with, especially with young boys that, around youth when learning to be part of society and learning the roles of the rules of the hierarchy and where you're going to fit in society. And when those, when that spot can't be found, there is a, a safety and a, a comfort joining the outside. Yeah. There's a, and th- and that's that's been true. It's true in in primate populations. It's not anything new. Yeah. To the understanding of psychology, and I I think that there is sort of a a society that forms itself on on the outside of that. You know, I mean, it it's like, but but wherever there's humans, that just starts to emerge. Yeah. You know, when you push, when society gets too restrictive. This is a whole nother topic, but like <laughs> you see this play out in our, in our political system, the liberal and the democratic and the liberals tend to be more open-minded. They are, uh, they play looser with the idea of structured hierarchy and the more conservative you are, the more tightly you hold on to existing paradigms and existing structures you're resistant to tearing them down mm. you don't you the the old should remain and the new shouldn't come in right. and the liberal is the outside thinker um but they are um they're they're more adaptable to new situations but they also have a destructive effect so they can tend to when they tear down systems tear down healthy parts of systems and they have to learn how to work together, Co- yeah, right? And um, those two types of people 
also operate in the moral parts of society. And when you get into, say, the hierarchies, the social hierarchies, that's it happens the same way in the way those are socially constructed. You know, the like the religiously conservative compacted the rules into a, a, a took the chaos, right? Mm-hmm. Compacted the rules into something usable. And they resist change from moving those rules, right? Because it spells, they feel like it spells doom for the hierarchy yeah. and the the social structure. And the, the liberals are on the outside and they want to change. And as humans grow and social situations change, adaptability is important. So the, the liberals play an important role in the situation and they play the uh, rejuvenating role in keeping the hierarchy evolving. And so it's just a constant balance. I don't even know where this started. <laughs> I don't even know that started, but anyway, it's just a constant flux and both types of people are needed in this world. And there are more than two types of people. Of I'm, I'm generalizing here but not in a bad way. I think that all of them have their place. And I think that it's important. I think that conversation is important in today's world. And hopefully we'll get to make this on a different podcast. Cause this is probably going to make it topic. Yeah. But you know, in this divisive, I should have talked about it back then. Oh my god, It would have just fit perfectly. No. But the divisive language that we all talk in, in discourse that we have is because we don't see the value that the other that the other um, group mm-hmm. has, and and though those more creative, liberal-minded, um, rejuvenative thinkers are vilified, <clears throat> and then and, you, the, and then the right, the right side, side who who has a you have to admit that the structure that they've put in place is for the most part. A healthy system, mm. right? Uh, it's not a perfect system, especially considering it, you know as far as it goes, right? And you look at look at the amount of uh, poverty that's been erased across the world due to this type of the second culture. second longest living government system. And I think both of them should inherently see their worth and stop, yeah, beating each other to death, yeah, and just realize yeah. that social change. And that comes from somebody who believes a lot of the social and political implications of letting progressives work with conservatives would end up with concessions on our part, like um, sacrifices yeah. that I would struggle with a lot, you know what yeah. I mean? But I don't, I don't think that those people are worth nothing, you know? Certainly not. So, well, I mean, yeah, we're both. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't, I, on the, I don't know where you fall exactly on the political spectrum. Which you can always, if you need to separate the political and the social. Yeah. That, that, that's how I, that's something yeah. you have to learn to it. it Cause I mean, definitely just yeah, social, I am definitely on the left side, but political, governmental. Individualist. Yeah. All around. And it, it includes politically and yeah. socially. At least that was how, that's how I've understood your perspective. So, I mean, that's 
my perspective on objectivism is is like I said before the natural worldview. Yeah, I don't see it of of the happening. natural mix between the two. I think it's alien to look at them the other way. Yeah, I agree. I struggle to see how it could work, especially healthily. Yeah, yeah. You need just a healthy amount yeah. of of everything. Ego. You yeah. damage your relationships. Yeah. Unless you look at it like how it really exists, which is that they are the same thing. Yeah. But well, I'm sure we're still missing things and we're going to. That's what I was going to mention. That's what I was going to mention. ourselves uh, next week. Yeah. We but, never fail to turn up something that. Right. There's always something that we, yeah. we miss. Yeah. So it's time to go find it. I'm ready. Well, like every other episode, <laughs> you can find this episode's post on Facebook uh, with all of our sources. And if you could interact with it, maybe tell us your experience and maybe some ideas of what you thought about objectivism and share them there. And of course, if you have a topic you'd like to submit, you can go to candorencounter.com slash submit, put it in there. We would love any submission we need them to keep going and we love kicking anything around so so send them in guys thank you for tuning in today and we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did i know that we like getting together and doing this every time every time it's really the highlight every two weeks for me just remember guys we love you as a human being we hope you join us again so until next time take it easy So that does it for us folks we hope you come back and try again almost said try again I hope you try again <laughs> nah, 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 sorry <laughs> <laughs>